Anchor.fm. What is up? It has been quite some time. I think the last time I was on was in April. And it is now July. Literally the middle of July. And let's just see where this goes. I know that last time I had this whole list of things that I was talking about. And I am literally coming at you right now with stuff just off the top of my noggin. So... We're going to see where this goes, okay? So hang tight, bear with me, and let's just have some fun. Okay, guys. So back at it after being off the air since April, I guess. Um, a lot has changed, I guess. And so I guess the first thing, the first thing that I need to say is that it has been an absolute struggle. I'm pretty sure like in some of like the podcasts that I've had, I've been talking about jobs and job seeking just a little bit. So I was a substitute teacher in October and I, I was able to do that. I was very grateful that I was able to get fast tracked into subbing because there's like literally like this invisible hold on substitute teaching. You have to like go through like principles and stuff like that to get all of this stuff and to actually even be seen. So I was able to do that for a little bit. And so uh, I liked it. I really did. And you know what? You don't really appreciate what substitutes have to go through until you're actually one. See, in my case, I actually went straight into teaching. And so... I never understood like the dynamic when it came to like, okay, you know, you request your sub, you put it in and then, you know, the idea is, is that the sub is able to come into this place, into your classroom and assume some type of authority, some type. And they're able to help your kids get work done while you're out. I can firmly tell you that is absolutely not true. Unless you're tight, you're, this is what I would do when I would come into the classrooms. I would be like, look, you've probably met substitutes that are on the far left who are these tyrannical human beings who think that they are God's gift to earth. And then you have people, these substitutes that are on the far right who literally just could care less. They're getting, they're going to go in there and as long as nobody sheds blood in the classroom or dies, everything is fine. And they don't do anything. Like they, they literally will sit there and they'll read a book. I've seen that happen as a teacher and as a sub. So what I try and do is I was like, look, guys, I'm right in the middle. You're not going to mess my day up because guess what? I'm going to mess your day up. And, and an interesting story is that I once did a, 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 a elementary position and um, these kids, oh, my God. Oh my God, these kids. Elementary is such a weird dynamic. It's such a weird landscape. It's so hard to navigate. And these kids were just up the walls, literally up the walls. And so I was able to be in touch with the teacher because sometimes, you know, the good teachers, they'll leave their contact info. Other teachers are just like, you know, peace out, like good luck. But this teacher was able to keep in touch with me. I was able to keep in touch with them. And uh, long story short, I ruined these kids' lives, got the principal involved. Um, 
these kids were not happy one bit. And the thing was, is it was elementary and it was like first grade. Um, so, you know, if there are teachers out there that are listening to this and they really want to understand what it's like to be a substitute teacher and to know that your work is literally at the mercy of your kids, talk to me. I'll give you the skinny on it because even me being, you know, a former elective teacher, you would think that's like, hey, cool. You know what? This work is fun to begin with. It's easy. I'm just going to do it so I don't have to worry about it. And so that, uh, you know, Mr. Medina is not, you know, on me about it when he gets back. Not true. Not true at all. It could be the most mundane, easiest thing in the world. Like, hey, read chapter one and answer the first question and then you're done. And these kids are going to give you every single excuse in the book as to why they don't want to do it, shouldn't do it, and could care less about doing it. So anyway, I did subbing in October. I started in October and I did the entire school year. And after that, I was like, oh my God. First of all, I was very thankful. I was like, thank you, God. You got me, you got me in and you're able to like give me some type of an income. It was a horrible, weird cultural shock of an income. But you were able to do this. Thank you. You're the bomb. But then come, I believe it was like in, yeah, it was like in May, obviously. In May, I'm like, oh crap. I'm gonna have to go three months without getting paid anything. Because substitutes don't get any benefits, nothing. Like we can opt into it, but I mean, at the time, that was my first job since since resigning from full time teaching. So it was just like, I don't get paid time off. I don't get. I guess I could have gotten health care, but I mean, how the heck was I going to pay for that on a substitute budget? You know, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I didn't have bennies. I didn't have paid time off. If I had to take a t- day off, like it was literally like, cool, you're not going to work today. You're not getting paid today. And so I s- literally probably took maybe like three days off that entire time from October to May, honestly. Not including, I don't personally, I don't include the days that I actually had job interviews that I was getting while subbing. So I don't necessarily count that, but it did hurt in the long run, like when it was payday. And I would say like, oh man, why, why is my paycheck sucks so bad? It's like, oh yeah, I had like three interviews back to back. I think there was one week in February, I had like three uh, job interviews like one after another, or it was like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, or like a Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So it was crazy, and it was killer. But this is why I have the utmost faith in my God, and it's because I have finally, and this is like, I haven't told anybody this, so this is going to be like, it's going to take a while for everyone to actually hear this, if you guys actually do. You guys should subscribe and you guys should listen to my stuff because I think I'm absolutely hilarious. Not to mention that I think, and this is purely my my humble opinion, that this podcast is way better done. It has better content than anything that comes out of El Paso because everything else I feel is just really, really dry and very animated and very... Uh, I don't know. I just find it very dry. But anyway, um, so you guys are going to be the first ones. You guys are going to be the first ones to find out, and then everyone else will. I'll I'll do it on Facebook. 
but it would be better if you just actually heard it. Um, but I actually finally landed a job, full-time job. I'm back full-time into the district as a computer lab monitor at Herrera Elementary School. So for those of you who want to come and visit me, come visit me. I'm going to be the cool guy on campus. So basically, I'm just doing glorified IT work. I'm going to be helping with like computers. I'm going to be monitoring two labs. And then um, I'm also going to be managing the the whatchamacallit. I'm going to be managing the website. The principal wants me to do some videos. And on top of all of that other work, you know, she's also wanting me to try and put together a yearbook, which I have plenty of experience doing. Elementary yearbooks are more like scrapbooks, but I'm going to make this one fire. So I'm back at it again on my nonsense. Anyway, so that's kind of like what's happened for me personally is finally landing this job. Um, you know, I'm, I still have my prospects. I was counting my credits right now for like my master's. For those of you who do not know, I'm doing my master's right now, trying to get that all that straightened out and just done. I just want to graduate. Um, I need one more class and I'm going to have 18. I think I'll have over 18 credit hours, but I need one more class after the one that I'm in right now. And then finally, what my plan is, is to try and teach at the college level. So like EPCC. And so once I'm able to do that and once I'm able to try and navigate and see how I can go ahead and like start teaching within like the college realm, that would be great. I, that would be super cool. Um, it would be cool to do teaching at like the high school level again, but then not only am I already duly certified in journalism and in speech, but then I would have to get another uh, certification. And honestly, I'm not too sure I would want to do that because they don't have any certifications for psychology. So TEA, what's up? When are you going to do one just for straight psychology? Like this is a necessary, uh, this is a very necessary uh, field of science and social sciences that needs to be taught now. Um, but I would have to get certified in social studies. Um, makes kind of sense. Like, hey, you just said social studies and it's a social science. But, but think about it. I would have to be responsible for not only teaching psychology, but I would more than likely be uh, uh, expected to teach social studies or like history or economics, something that I'm just not prepared for. And it's also a tested subject. So then I would have to worry about uh, numbers as far as like who's being tested, what are the grades, are they passing really? And that's just, that's just a lot of stuff that I'm not really like down to do anymore, I guess, per se. I don't know. My mind can change. My mind is always down to change. Um, but teaching at the college level would be actually really cool because it would be a more, uh, for lack of a better word or term, it's a more intimate experience between the professor and the students. I remember clearly one of my professors at UTEP, and I believe it was for mass media and society. It was, it was already like, I was already done with, um, it was an upper division class. I was getting ready to graduate and I will forever remember like, you know, coming into class and he was very frank about everything. Um, and he would just come in and, you know, Hey guys, here's the syllabus. Here's the work. If we didn't understand something, he was always like, Hey, you guys, you know what? If you guys want to do study session, let's get together. Let's go grab a couple beers and like, we'll go over all this work, you know, together, like whatever. And not to say that I would do that because it would be very in, like, not interesting, but I mean, it would be interesting, but I mean, it would be very, I don't know. In this climate today, you can't be so sure about a lot of things and you can't trust a lot of people because people are crazy. Uh, I'm crazy. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. 
I like the idea of being a little bit more open and loose with just being able to um, really understand people and understand how they're learning and then teaching them that. So it's kind of like you're learning together. I've always considered myself as kind of like a player coach. So I'm so down to like just get in there and actually work with people instead of just like, here you go, like, and just, you know, coping all of this information to them and like, okay, cool, peace out, fend for yourself. I would rather learn with them because who knows, they might impart something on me as well. Plus being a 32-year-old professor or like not a professor, but I think I'd be like a 32-year-old lecturer or something like that at EPCC kind of has a nice little ring to it. Um, and plus that would give me some time to get, uh, some more certifications, uh, some more trainings. And then who the heck knows, maybe I open up my own practice somehow, or I go and I just work at a firm and I have my own office again. So that'd be nice. So, um, yes. So I have a job now and have a job now still have to like hang in there until September till that first check hits. And that first check usually is a good one. And then it kind of just evens out the rest of the year. Um, so that's going to be fun. That's going to be major, major fun. Uh, next thing, what else has happened? What else is going on? This is where we're going to start getting into some like really stupid culture stuff. And the first thing that I want to get into about culture is all of these idiots who are going to these grocery stores and spitting on my food. So first off, what the heck, what the frick, like, this needs to like some sort of like natural selection needs to happen, you know, survival of the fittest. And these people, how are they even fit to do this? You know, growing up, I remember in my mischievous little mind that the, the, the most, I don't know, riskiest thing that I have ever considered doing and sometimes that I still do, and it's not even risky. You guys are going to hear this and be like, what are you talking about? This isn't even risky as compared to like someone licking ice cream and putting it back into the freezer. Um, gurgling. Is it gurgling or gargling? I think it's gargling. Gargling mouthwash and spitting it back into the bottle. What else has gone on? Uh, the whole, I, I know that I, that I saw a clip that they're trying to bring, people are trying to bring back them. Like, was it called milk slamming? You know, you throw a couple gallons of milk and you slip in it or whatever. Um, my thing was like, I would go into like maybe nothing perishable. I would go into maybe like the cosmetic section or something like that and grab like a couple things. And I would go to like the opposite end of the store to like dog food and put it in the dog food and then take something from dog food and put dog food somewhere else. Like literally that was like the, the max, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get kicked out of the store for doing it, you know? And it's just like how such stupidity has evolved in the last 25 years it's insane honestly it's insane um i know that my mother she always brings up this one thing you know walmart i was there and i was a very very handsy little boy it touched wanted to touch everything and i remember that there was those plasma globes you touch them and it would follow your finger i reached too far, got the plug. And <clears throat> the next thing I know is that my body, my soul left my body as I saw the globe falling down and it, nothing that you drop on accident is ever silent. It's always like you drop something by accident. It's like, it barely makes a noise or it hits your foot and it rolls around. No, 
It's always the loudest noise in the world. It is louder than the explosion at Krakatoa. This globe popped, and I swear to God, the sh- the, the 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 ceiling panels shook at Walmart. I mean, this is also back like I had to have been at least like eleven or twelve years old, maybe that, if not a little younger. Um, but it was so loud. And what what do I do? I literally stick my hands in my pocket and I like shimmy as fast as I can to the next aisle. And I I don't know, like accidents like that happen, whatever. But it's like everything that's like up to this point, it's just so idiotic. The things that people do, like nobody does any of this stuff on accident anymore. Um, I just recently, like maybe like a day or two ago, I posted <laughs> I posted a, a meme that the next challenge that these people have, since they want to go and start licking my ice cream and using my mouthwash in the store, they need to go and start licking some raw chicken or something like that. I want you to lick. I got. I dare you guys out there, whoever's listening. I am daring somebody to go out there and get tongue deep in a pack of like some chicken thighs. Okay. Get knee deep, get tongue deep in that. I want you to lick that whole thing, and I want you to try to put that that crap back, okay? Then when you're in the hospital, like with salmonella poisoning, then you start reconsidering, that was probably a stupid thing to do, okay? I'm more than positive that there's someone out there who's going to do that, and it's going to be so fun watching Natural Selection just kind of weed you guys out. Um, yeah, you guys are you guys are ridiculous. You got to cut that crap out. Um, what else? What else has been on my radar? So, you know, shout out to to my cousin Joel and Isaiah for getting me into like sneaker culture. Um, one of my ex students actually posted this thing that Arizona Ice Tea came out with, like they collabed. I believe it was with Adidas, and they have a they have three different shoes. They're all really cool colors. It's that you know that vaporwave green. Uh, purple, pinkish uh, colors, the gold kind of, I think. I saw in one of them, it was not gold, it was probably yellow. Um, I think I'm colorblind when it comes to colors with yellows. But literally, I'm going to show, uh, I, you guys on my podcast can't see this, but if you're in on the live, you're going to see this. But I'm holding up the that green tea with ginseng can. Mm-hmm. This is literally one what one of the shoes looks like. It's literally this can right here. Um and I need them. I really need to cop those shoes for real on the fast. Um, I literally just bought like the storage unit for a lot of my sneakers that I do have already. And I've come to the decision that I need to downsize them significantly. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be using like Debop. I'm going to be using sneakers and StockX and all that stuff. Try my hand out at selling some of my sneakers and just, um, getting that money and putting them into like a little bit more expensive shoes, something that's a little bit more collectible, something that I'm actually going to cherish for a little bit longer than some of them that I've been using. A lot of the shoes that I have are probably not fit for like summer. Like one pair is good for summer. That is actually something I would wear with pants. Everything else is kind of for winter. And for those of you not listening from El Paso for some reason, or at least not listening from like somewhere in Texas, uh, you have to understand that here in El Paso, it's literally that episode in Mario World where the sun tries to beat you. That's how it is every day from like May till late September, if that. Um, yeah, I just I, I have 
one pair of of uh, Air Force Ones that is literally a boot. It like comes like up mid calf, and then another one is a what's that material called? It's a uh, suede. It's a blue and gold suede shoe. Definitely a Christmas shoe, like a winter shoe. Um, and then I have one that's kind of like looks like a desert tactical boot. And that one's okay. You could probably get away with that one in the summer, but I mean, it's really hot. The only one that's really suit for summer, like suited for summer that I have is an Air Force One that literally says sportswear on it. The other ones don't say sportswear. Um, but this one, it's orange and black, and they are my new, they're definitely my new um, UTEP shoe. Um, speaking of UTEP, Minor Palooza's coming up August 30th, so that's going to be sick. I haven't been to a Minor Palooza single <laughs> single in a very long time um so it's gonna be weird like it's gonna be cool um you know walking around and just like finally doing stuff on my own for myself i guess and not having like someone in my ear like oh like let's just sit down or i'm tired let's go like i'm all down for like being with somebody who's like you know we're on the same page like hey let's you know let's just go ahead and bail let's go somewhere else but like this is going to be completely different. It's going to be completely different. I'm going to be able to do my thing. For the longest time that I could remember, whenever UTEP would do something, I would actually just go and take pictures. And so people know me as always having my camera around or just always wanting to take pictures. So it's going to be cool to be able to do this and not have to worry about like, oh, you know, I can only take pictures for maybe like 20 minutes and then I have to go and just make sure that, you know, the person that I'm with is okay. Like, you know, so Minapalooza, it's going to be sweet. I'm going to help you wearing my shoes, my orange shoes, show some pride, even though the team sucks. Um, I'm just hoping that this year is going to be a lot better. Um, yeah. So that's like my whole shoe spiel. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? I am going to take a break because I'm a little parched. I'm going to get some Arizona iced tea and I will get better material for this next segment. So peace. All right, all right, all right, all right. So we are back. So for those of you who don't know this about me, and I'm pretty sure like in a next episode or something like that on Trappin', we're, well, I'm going to try and find like a, a long, like hundred long question uh, survey or something. Not a survey. Uh, I don't know. One of those things that you see on Facebook, it's like, oh, like your age. How many tattoos do you have? You know? And just like really kind of go into that about myself so that way you guys can understand who the crazy guy behind the mic is or like who you see like the crazy guy behind the mic and behind like in front of the camera kind of I guess if you're watching on live. Um, I like to read. I really do. And I can – I remember maybe in college I could like slam a book in a, like two weeks. Now some of you are like, oh, I can do it in a week. Whatever. I could do a book two weeks, get into another book two weeks, and just go through them. I just eat them up. But then, like, as soon as, like, I started my career, I guess, I kind of stopped doing that because, well, one, social media. Two, social media. And three, you know, the whole marriage thing and whatnot, you know, like, you know responsibilities and all that other good stuff. And so it, reading kind of just kind of got away from me for a little bit. And so now I'm struggling, not struggling, I'm trying to build myself back up to how I used to be. So the last book that I read was actually Kitchen Confidential. I already showed it on live right now. 
Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, who is one of a few people that I look up to in the world. Um, he's an amazing chef and an amazing personality on TV. I would watch his stuff and just eat it up. It was like gospel for me. I love how he treated life like an adventure. Uh, one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes, and a lot of like my Christian friends are going to be like, "What are you saying?" One of my favorite quotes by by Anthony was, um, "My body is not a temple; it's an amusement park." And it's like I take that, and it's like you know what? I need to experience things, and you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I want to go out and experience like crack cocaine and meth, but it's like this is kind of how I approach. Uh, the idea of when I go out and travel a little bit when I can, um, when I go out and travel. So just recently got back from Louisiana, from New Orleans, and I literally ate my way through the French Quarter. I did the whole beignet thing. I did, I did the beignet thing, the Cafe LA thing. I did the French Quarter, you know, in and of itself. I did the Warehouse District. I did. Um, I ate at eight. Was it Acme? Acme Seafood. Did that. I ate at Felix's uh, seafood restaurant. Uh, I did pizza by the slice at like two different places. I had a huge thirty-four ounce daiquiri um, that messed me up for two days. Like I, oof, that humidity hits differently when you're drunk um, and just like wobbling through the streets through Bourbon Street. Um, what else? I had turtle soup, which was absolutely delicious. Would definitely do that again. I regret. I, reg- I regret. I regret not having the bowl. I only had the cup because I was not. I still wasn't feeling good at that point, and that was literally two days later. Um, I had amazing uh, fettuccine pasta with like uh, crawfish and shrimp. Um, I did it all. I literally did all of that. Before I get into an excerpt of the book, I just want to go out there and I want to say that this is a very, very unpopular opinion, but I have my backup by talking to a couple people that I know from here who have traveled as well and who have, you know, who've been to New Orleans and everything. One, a lot of people really don't like New Orleans. They don't get, they don't, they don't like it. It's not for them. That's not their scene. I get that. That's fine. It technically really isn't my scene, but I definitely want to be part of the culture. I want to ingest the culture. Um, one of the things that I hate about traveling is I hate looking like a tourist. And so I try my best not to look like one. Um, I don't know. That's just something that I've always, I kind of adopted. I just don't want to stand out. I want to be able to blend in and be one with those people. Um, the second thing, the actual thing that I was going to say, the unpopular opinion is that all of that stuff, that touristy stuff, is really overrated. The whole beignet thing, overrated. It was okay. But, I mean, you're talking about sitting at Café du Monde, and you're sitting in uh, a 94-degree weather, in 94-degree heat. It's 67% humidity, so it feels like 113. So you're literally sitting melting while eating hot beignets and drinking hot coffee. I could have gotten it iced, but I didn't because I felt like the whole ice thing is like maybe like one thing away from actually trying it, you know, in its natural state. But eh, it's literally just a beignet. Honestly, it's all it is. It's just a French donut. Like, all right. Um, and then like the whole like you know getting oysters and all that stuff. Uh, for one thing, 
I like oysters. I really do. I like oysters on the half shell, and I like oyster like oyster shooters and all that stuff. But I mean, there was really you know Acme Restaurant Felix's. Besides, besides the turtle soup, everything else was very cliche. The turtle soup I felt was very authentic, and I will definitely and always forever and ever amen. I will always do that if I'm ever there. Turtle soup is where it's at. Um. What else? But I feel that like the most the most New Orleans thing there was the dank pizza places where you could just go get a slice of pizza and then walk around with your daiquiri down Bourbon Street. I mean, they were there was literally like I don't even know the number. I'm gonna say like 20 different pizza by the slice establishments there just on Bourbon Street, and they were all doing the same exact thing. Daiquiris. And pizza by the slice. You could buy it by the whole, like the whole pie, but the whole idea is like getting the pizza and just walking around. But I mean, that's literally what you saw all the time. Like on that strip is pizza by the slice, daiquiris, fried chicken, daiquiris. Um, I'm pretty sure that was like, they did like the whole, like the big old huge fishable things. I felt that that was more authentic than anything else that I did there. Um, I walked the entire warehouse district that was kind of boring. I couldn't find anything there to do. I mean, there was some like drinkeries there and everything, but mm, there were some monuments, but mm, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what I was looking for or what I was expecting, you know, but I'm glad I did it because I like doing things that I haven't done before. Um, I wasn't able to go to, you know, where Katrina hit or anything like that because I was kind of far away and I w- didn't, wasn't able to do any graveyard stuff because there really wasn't any graveyards in the French Quarter area where I was. Um, so next time. Next time it's going to be more of the pizza, more turtle soup, and more ghosts for sure. Anyway, back to my book. So LA, um, LA Confidential. Kitchen Confidential is basically a book about the inner workings of the, the whole kitchen and becoming a chef circuit. And he gives it in such a really great detail. He's very frank, very off the cuff. Um, if you've watched any of his shows, like um, Anthony Bourdain, No Reservations, or Anthony Bourdain, uh, The Layover, it's like No Reservations, uh, Layover, all of that stuff that he did, you're going to understand very, very quickly, this is who he is, and it literally doesn't change. He's like that one person and that one person only. Anyway, this is an excerpt, and I'm really going to try and read this as best as I can because I find it really difficult, so I'm going to have to put it right here. I don't know. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm turning my back to you guys a little bit, but I need to be able to read this kind of. Um, but this is kind of in, in this kind of like already towards the end of this chapter. The chapter was called Coffee and Cigarette, and basically this is already summing up. He was taking uh, – that he was sent to Tokyo to go teach some people how to do French cuisine over there, like he was doing back over here in the States. And he has some time off. He's walking the streets of Tokyo and he's trying to figure out what to eat. And so this is kind of how he dealt with it. And this is literally what I do when it comes to trying new things. So bear with me. This is my, my best uh, narration of how this is going to go down. Let's see where it starts. I woke up at 5 a.m. hungry, 
put on a pullover, long sleeve t-shirt, jeans, black elkskin cowboy boots that had been better days, that had seen better days, and a suit cut leather jacket that Stephen had picked up, used for me at a flea market. I was ready for adventure. Breakfast. At first, I didn't have the nerve. I wandered Rompanji, early morning streets, tortured by the delicious smells emanating from the many businessmen's noodle shops, intimidated by the crowds. Japanese salarymen sat cheek to jowl, happily slurping down bowls of soba. I didn't want to stare. I didn't want to offend. I was acutely aware of how freakish and un-Japanese I looked, with my height and my boots and leather jacket. The prospect of pushing aside the banner to the banner to one of these places, sliding back the door and stepping inside, then squeezing into a stool at a packed counter and trying to figure out how and what to order was a little frightening. One couldn't enter a place, change one's mind, and then creep away. This prospect of being the center of attention at this tender hour, with the capillaries in my brain shriveled from all the beers on the flight and the jet lag, even worse than it had been the day before, I just couldn't handle it. I wandered the streets, gaping, my stomach growling, looking for somewhere, anywhere to sit down and have coffee. Something to eat. God help me. I settled for a Starbucks. At least I saw from the street they allowed smoking. It was drizzling outside by now, and I was grateful for the, for the refuge, if ashamed of myself. I sipped coffee. I sipped coffee when I ordered it, and count, uh, the counter helped repeat the order to one another at ear-splitting volume. Triple latte. I one triple latte. I sat by the window, head pounding, smoking and sipping, summoning the courage for another pass at a soba joint. There was no way, I told myself, that I was going to eat my first Tokyo meal in Starbucks. Pinned under the pinned under the wheels of that hypothetical Mr. Softy truck, I would have something to regret. Muttering to myself, I charged out of Starbucks, found the narrowest, most uninviting looking street pushed aside the banner of the first soba shop I encountered, slid back the door, and plopped myself down on a stool. When greeted, I simply pointed a thumb at the guy next to me and said, Dozo, I'll have what he's having. Things worked out well. I was soon slurping happily away at a big steaming bowl of noodles, pork, rice, and pickles. This method of ordering, ordering would become my modus operandi over the following days and nights. I spent a few hours at the restaurant before hailing a cab for, for, and you know I don't know how to pronounce this. I think it's Shyota, Shyota Ku District. I had an engagement, and so basically that whole excerpt right there, even though I kind of butchered it and everything because I can't read in the dark, um, that is kind of how I I travel. Um, when I go, you know, going to New Orleans or even even like the most mundanest of places, like uh where where was it? When I worked like over in like Socorro, when I worked in Socorro for all of like a week or like a month. Um I always want to try and find the most weirdest things to eat, or at least the closest things. So it's like if I'm in Socorro, it's like what here can I eat that is Socorro? Or if it's like I'm in Las Cruces, what can I eat that is New Mexican here in Las Cruces? What can I eat in Chicago? What can I eat in Pennsylvania? What can I eat in Johnsonville? What can I eat in St. Mary's? What can I eat in Elgin, Illinois? What can I eat in St. Charles? What can I eat in 
LA? What do I eat on the Santa Monica? You know? So that's kind of how it is. And that's how I like living it. It's just like, everything's a surprise. I want things to be authentic. I I've seen on YouTube sometimes when I look up when, you know, when that, that 12 AM hour hits and you find yourself on the weird, uh, the weird, uh, the weird side of YouTube and you're looking up weird people who eat food and they post it up on YouTube or whatever. Um, and it's like they're on vacation and they find themselves in a Taco Bell. It's like, are you on vacation or are you just like, you know, eating out of frustration because you're not open enough to try new things? Now, God forbid, you know, when my dad goes on these trips with First Light Federal and he's able to go places, you know, I got to take care of my parents. You know, if it wasn't for me not being there, I'm pretty sure we would have eaten at this place that they went at. They're over in Seattle and it was like a super hipster, like pizza place. They sat down in there and they, uh, they saw the menu and they had no idea what any of the toppings were on any of these pizzas. And, you know, bless their hearts. You know, they, they did the whole Anthony birthday Dane thing and, you know, they shimmied out of there as fast as they could to find somewhere that was just a little bit more friendly. It's, you know, just a regular nice pepperoni pizza, but I'm telling you, if I was there, I would have calmed those nerves and we would have had some type of hipster pizza. Like, I don't know, some Gaier cheese pizza with fig and fennel topped with horse mustard or I don't know, something strange. Um, but yeah, that's the last book that I read. I am currently, if I can reach it, it's actually here on my desk. My next book that I'm reading, I started it and I've kind of put it down for a little bit. Uh, I just lost all the light in my room. Hold on. Okay, there we go. Um, I really need to change the settings on that. Um, the last book that, I mean, not the last book, the book I'm reading right now, Sandcastle Kings. Uh, yeah, Sandcastle Kings, Meeting Jesus in a Spiritually Bankrupt World. So one of the things, another thing that I like about books is I do like like the whole fantasy, like the whole nonfiction thing. I mean, the whole fiction thing. Um, you know, the whole, I, I read Harry Potter. I can't remember the last fiction book that I read. Um, I think the last fiction book that I read was Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And I forgot who, I think it was like Polk, Polk or Frank, Frank Polk, I think David Polk. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Um, but do androids dream of electric sheep is the book that Blade Runner is based off of very tiny book. That movie is literally like over two hours long or like three hours long. And the book itself is literally my people on live. It's literally that thick. It's maybe a hundred pages, maybe. 160, 180. Um, definitely way thinner than these, both of these books. Um, the next book that I need to read is Ready Player One. And I'm going to get so much crap from people. I already know it. I feel it. As soon as I said it, I'm going to get it. But I don't know. I like giving things a chance. So I'm debating if I should read the book or watch the movie first. I really don't care. I don't care. I already know that the book is way better than the movie. I get that because all of the things in books can't go into, you know, a movie unless all movies ended up being like five hours long. But I like giving things a chance. When I first saw the trailer to that movie, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. Like this is going to be a monumental feat of cinema. Um, but I heard, I've heard that it's not. I've heard that it's a horrible, horribly done movie. 
Um, so I don't know. That might be the next one. Um, actually, I lied. The ne- there's a book that I do need to finish reading, and it was the Harry Potter book. It's Harry Potter and the Cursed Child or something like that. And it's not even like a Harry Potter book. It's literally like a screenplay. It's a play. So I'm really hoping that they turn that into a movie. And then I just saw a couple like last week that J.K. Rowling is coming out with, what, three, two, three more books, I think, something like that. So I'm excited to see what that's going to be about. Um, But I tend to err on the side of nonfiction. So like biographies, autobiographies. Um, I wouldn't really call these like self-help books, like these whole, like all of like, I guess what you would say, like, like CCM books, like contempt, like, well, CCM is contemporary. Was it CC contemporary Christian music? Faith-based books, I guess is what you would call them. I don't like calling them self-help. I just, they're just religious books. And I really liked this book. So you guys can see it on live. Um, this is Sandcastle Kings. I'll try and put up links everywhere, but it's uh, written by Rich Wilkerson Jr. Uh, he's the pastor of he is the pastor at Vu Church over in oh crap where is it Miami I believe Miami. Um, there's different campuses, but he's the pastor of Vu Church. The cover art was actually done. I believe the cover art was actually done by Kanye West. This is Kanye West pastor. Who would have thought that that would have ever been in a sentence, right? This is a book by Kanye West pastor. Anyway, so far so good. Um, I can give you a little bit of an excerpt here. Um, let's see. It says right here, in Sandcastle Kings, Rich Wilkerson Jr. offers a powerful alternative vision for what will bring us true fulfillment and joy, looking at four dramatic stories from the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Wilkerson shows how our deepest longings will never be met in the places we usually look, in ourselves, in other people, material things, or even religion. Instead, our ultimate desire can be satisfied only in Jesus. Only in looking to Him can we find with our heart, with our hearts, uh, no, sorry, what our hearts are looking for, and only in Him can we find the peace and joy we do desperately crave. So as soon as I get more deep into it, I'm like barely in like the first chapter. Um, I'll let you guys know how that goes. Uh, Let's take a break because I'm thirsty. Okay. So final, final musings, movies. I saw Godzilla and I made, the incredible, the incredible mistake of going at nine. I believe it started, they started seating people at 9.15. Okay, two things. If you're going to do prepaid, or not prepaid, but if you're going to do a movie theater with reserved seating, these people need to show up. I've gone too many times to AMC, over here in the Northeast because it's the closest theater and it's actually nicer than what it, it's nicer than it was when it was Carmike. Um, I've gone too many times and it'll say, you know, a lot of the, like, you know, 45% is reserved and you know, they're in different places. Half the time, these people don't even show up until like 20 minutes into the movie. That's ridiculous. There needs to be like a time limit. If they buy their tickets, give them like, 
20 hours before their movie. And if after that, like, boom, like that's it, their seat's gone. Like they only get GA, they get general admission. They don't get the luxury of keeping their seat. Cause if I'm there early, because I want to get my $30 pretzel, literally they have a pretzel there that should be $30 because it's literally the size of like my face. It's huge. Um, if I'm going to be early to get my pretzel and my, my Slurpee and some crunch bunch, some bunch of crunch and, you know, make sure that the hamburgers that I'm sneaking in in my back pocket are still good. You know, I, you know, I want my seat and I want to be able to like relax, but I don't want to have to worry about Joe Schmo who reserved his seat and doesn't show up for another 25 minutes and then tries to like walk in like he owns the joint. But, um, Shout out to AMC. I love you guys. Uh, Godzilla. I, I loved it. I made the mistake of going at 9.15 because it was a very last minute thing. I have to take uh, I have to take into account Stimulus Tuesdays. You know, $5 Tuesdays. Those are the best. And um, it was a last minute decision. 9.15 was okay in my mind. But when I got there, I got insanely tired. And I had no idea. I literally did not check to see how long this movie was. And I had no idea that it was two hours long. I fell asleep twice. Not because it was boring either. I love Godzilla. I know that there was a lot of people that were like, oh, you know, it's just Godzilla. It's like, what? It's just Godzilla. What are you talking about? He is like the king of the monsters. You know, he's the god of the monsters, actually, technically. Um just, you know, for those of you who are listening, you know, there are massive amounts of spoiler alerts. So in all of my shows that I do, I don't really care. Like if a movie came out and I saw it, that should have given you plenty of time to go see it on your own. Like don't wait three months to go see a movie. Uh, I, I know some people who are barely watching Endgame and it's like, really? I think it's time to grow up a little bit. Um, but like, Oh my God. Like this movie was so good. I loved it. I don't know why it got such bad ratings. It was, there was a lot of information. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of information. You had to keep up. You kind of had to have some idea of what Godzilla was from like the last movie back in 20, I want to say it was in what? 14, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, maybe. I don't know. Um, But like, I don't know. It's just amazing. It's an amazing movie. One of the things that really surprised me was how tall they made him. They made him so tall from the last movie uh, to this one. I believe like he shot up like almost like I think he was like, oh, man, like 300 feet, which gives, you know, the foreshadowing that he is growing. Obviously, it's not like he's going to stay like one size forever. Um, a lot of like the design of his like his like fin things on his back. Um they changed too, like the shapes changed. They're like a little bit more jagged instead of like looking like a scale almost. But he's way taller, uh, more smart. Uh, what else? And then all of the other Titans. I had no idea that this was going to be tied into King Kong. I had no idea. Why did nobody tell me this? You know, a lot of people are like, well, you should have Googled it. But no, you guys need to like take into consideration that there are some slow people out there and I'm kind of slow. And you need to like, hey, Isaac. King Kong was a Titan. They're going to fight. That's going to be amazing. That's going to be an amazing movie. If that's anything like these, like the, the, you know, the remade, uh, Godzilla and then this one, and then all the way up to, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong, it's going to be amazing. Um, I like Godzilla. I like it when he charges up, 
there's a scene where he charges up. So like the first charge up is like his regular, like nuclear plasma beam of death, whatever that he does, the blue one. But there's something in there where he like, I don't know if it's like a team up or he just kind of absorbs it. Like he absorbs nuclear, uh, like energy, but he literally like absorbs and becomes like one with, uh, what's that Titan's name? Uh, Rodan. Oh, uh, is that Rodan? 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 I think. I don't know. Um, and he like, I don't know what he does, but he becomes like this nuclear fireball. It's an amazing thing. Uh, Madra, beautiful. So beautiful. So, so beautiful. I have a thing for moths. So you guys just need to chill. Gabriel, if you're listening to this or if you see it or whatever, uh, you need to chill because I like moths. I really do. I want you guys to send me your best moth memes because those things are fire. Um, but yeah, Mother's beautiful. I had no idea that like Mother and Godzilla had a thing. Like they are like the cutest couple in the world. So my my longing for love is vicariously lived through Godzilla and Madra. If Madra, a moth thing, and Godzilla, this in amphibian, can make it work, then I have faith that whatever happens in my life will definitely work out. I will get that text back, and I will stop being ghosted and wholly ghosted. Um, but yeah, the movie was great. Oh, King, uh, was it? Uh, I always mispronounce his name. Uh, I'm trying to like mentally think about it. Uh, is it King Godira? Godira? No, Godira. I don't know. But he that one the the Hydra. Oh my gosh, amazing, absolutely phenomenal. That was so cool. Um, I also did some research. There's another Titan. I forgot what he's called. Well, no, they call him Behemoth, and I really really like that one because that's a direct. Uh, uh, what's the word? It's a direct reference to Behemoth in the book of Job in the Bible. And the, the cool thing is, is that that is actually t- kind of the inspiration for my sleeve is the whole, I believe it's Job chapter 41, I believe, 1741, I believe, 1741. And where God is describing Behemoth and uh, Leviathan. So like, there's this whole like theological thing that goes on where people are trying to figure out like, well, what is it? Is it just metaphorical or is it a real thing? Me personally, I want like to believe that it's a real thing, that there was a behemoth that lived and there is a Leviathan that technically probably still lives because Leviathan obviously is what, like a sea monster. Behemoth, not so sure. Might've been a dinosaur or something like that. Who knows? Maybe it was a Titan, but like those two, uh, those two creatures from, from not only like a mythical standpoint or a cinema, uh, cinematic standpoint or a, like a religious standpoint, but those two are definitely an inspiration for my sleeve. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, uh, Godzilla loved it. I would give it a solid, like seven, like a solid, I don't want to give it 10 out of 10 because 10 out of 10, did, like those are like for like Lord of the Rings movies and Star Wars movies. Um, I'm going to say that it was a solid, like eight and a half out of 10. Um, it's just a lot of information. Not that that's a bad thing, but it can definitely lose a lot of people, especially if you're not very well versed in like this whole new uh, monster cinematic universe that they're trying to build around Godzilla. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And this one does have 
a uh, this movie does have an Easter egg at the end. So if you do see it, please, please, please remember, stay afterwards. It's going to tie a lot of loose ends, kind of. Um, next, this is a PSA announcement. So I need to get really serious with you guys right now. Okay, very serious. If there's anybody that is traveling to Area 51, please take me with you. Please. I want my alien. And I'm holding back from getting too emotional about this. I need my alien. I want them. I want to hold them. And love them. And just take care of them. And just show them how much I care about them. And I just want to leave this world with them. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. What the heck? There's like literally like half a million people that are signed up to like storm the gates of Area 51 and Naruto run in there to go see them aliens. I want to see them aliens, but I know in the back of my mind, I don't want to die because who knows? How do we not know that these aliens haven't already been brainwashed? And like, let's just say that some of them are like, you know, part, you know, reptilian like the whole reptilian race that lives on the earth, you know, under the earth or in the earth. And how do we know that they are not disguised or like they shape shift into Ariel 51 guards, you know? And then I haven't read the article yet, but I know that this dude who made it as a joke, he's like literally terrified because he has like so many support. He's got half a million supporters who are ready to rush these gates at any minute. You know, it's going to happen in September, but you know, one false flag and I'm swear like these people are going to die. Um, either that, or this is probably one of the biggest smoke screens in the history of the world besides, no, never mind. I'm not going to say it. This is not the time or the place to get into conspiracy theories. That's another thing, guys. I am huge into, uh, I like butchered that. I am huge into conspiracy theories. Huge, 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 huge. Bermuda Triangle, believe it. Area 51, Believe it. Uh, Bigfoot? Believe it. Nessie? Believe it. Aliens? Believe it. UFOs? I've seen one. Um, what else? Ghosts? Believe it. Uh, what else? Um, this is going to be really good because this is going to go into like maybe like a Halloween, a Halloween episode. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? The weird part of YouTube conspiracy theories is like what bounds in like those cracks and crevices of YouTube. Really? Um, I believe it all. I really do. I really, really do believe in conspiracy theories. If there is one conspiracy theory documentary that you guys need to see, it is called unacknowledged. It's on Netflix. It hasn't left. Thank God, but it's there now speaking, speaking, you know, high key, my parents being very, uh, very good Christians and uh, old people just trying to get into heaven and, you know, they love their country, blah, blah, blah. I showed them this because they're 
funky liberal hippie child me believes <laughs> believes all this stuff. I showed him this documentary, um, and uh, I clearly remember hearing both of them like, "Oh well, you know, I've heard this before." Like they've heard stories like this before. I was like, "I've heard this before." And it's like, and I think it, it like all like ended as soon as it ended. It was like the last thing that I, I remember them saying was like, "I just don't know." It is one of the best uh, documentaries, not necessarily on conspiracy theories, but I can see where it would like it was like you know. Uh, branch off into all that stuff but it's the best documentary when it comes to aliens and ufos best by far everything else is like it's like you know steeped and stewed in like the late 90s uh this one is actually fairly recent and it's really good i just i believe it 100 wholeheartedly and you can't change my mind about it um i have read up on fermi's paradox and fermi's paradox and I've, there was something else. Um, there's something else that's tied with the Fermi paradox. But if you research the Fermi paradox, it kind of like branches off into other different schools of thoughts about first contact. That's really all it is about. It's about first contact and why we haven't made first contact yet. Um, but watch it. Let me know your thoughts, and we can we can argue about it until the break of dawn. Um, so yeah, movies. Uh, Lion King comes out. I'm excited to go see that. I'm I'm not entirely sure if I'm ready to see Mufasa die again, and this time in high res and high definition. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else is coming out? It comes out in September. Um, that's going to be amazing. I love scary movies, guys. I love scary movies. It, the first one, was great. Chapter one was amazing. Uh, it two is coming out. I still need to see Child's Play. Um, and I lost all of my light again. Um, I still need to see child's play. I need to see all of those movies. So it's going to be a good year for some of the movies. I am anxiously waiting for the new star Wars. I believe that's coming out in Christmas. Correct me if I'm wrong. The, was it called, uh, star Wars something or another? I don't know. Uh, let me see if I can look it up. New. What is it called? Something, something was it the path of Anakin? No, path, the path of the Skywalker. Oh, the rise of the Skywalker. That's what it is. I got that before it loaded. So yeah, Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker. So um, that is going to be the Chris, best Christmas movie ever. So you're going to find me there on Christmas. Um, probably most definitely a midnight showing for sure. And for sure at the Alamo draft house. Um, other than that, I believe that's pretty much it. I'm actually really proud of myself. I did this without a script. I am never going to do this without a script again, guys. I am so sorry if this was like butchered and like very, very low key or very high key, uh, horrible. Um, but I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys on live for sticking with me. Um, and seeing like the behind the scenes of this all, um, uh, this whole thing and my horrible rants and everything else. So other than that, I'm at 1650. I am going to sign off. I need to change because I am still in my workout clothes and I have a whole day ahead of me. I still got some homework to do. Um, so other than that, DM me your ideas for the next show. I would love to like try and research them and, and maybe talk to you guys about them. 
and see how I can fit them in the show. And other than that, I leave you with peace, blessings, and an amazing day. And I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.